What can you do to make a difference in your community's culture for the common good? What is culture? The Latin word culture meant to not leave nature as it was, but to make something of it. The whole idea behind Q is to create a place where we can ask questions. What we're finding is a significant increase in resistance to religion in public life, not just in one country or even one continent, but actually all over the world. We have all these insightful, compelling ideas, but how do we put them into practice in the communities around us? But in this room tonight, we have that goodness that can change lives, change systems, make great differences, and we're holding it. Be a part of leading the discussion in your city or community through Q Commons. Q Commons is a way where on one evening, thousands of people across the U.S. as well as around the world in cities where they've come together and gathered, come sit together and have a shared experience. Q Commons, Thursday, October 24th in communities around the world, plus in churches and in living rooms. This year's national speakers are Malcolm Gladwell, who will offer insights from his new book, Talk to Strangers. Francis Chan speaking on building true community, and Rebecca Lyons on establishing daily rhythms. To find a Q Commons event location near you or to find out how you can host an event in your church or home, visit QCommons.com. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Generation Z is post-Christian. This is the first generation in the U.S. that is answering these identity direction-setting questions at a time when there is a significant chunk of the U.S. population that does not identify with any faith or religious tradition. That was Mark Matlock to introduce today's topic on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio, and we'll hear Mark's talk that he gave at this past spring's Q Conference in Nashville about the aspirations of Gen Z. Now, who are the members of Generation Z? Well, depending on who you ask, they are those who were born after 1998. The front end of this generation is now college age. How are they different from previous generations, and what do they think about God? We'll look at that today. But first, at the Q Media platform at QIdeas.org, there's a new podcast that Gabe and his wife Rebecca are so excited about. The podcast is an exclusive to Q Media called Rhythms for Life. And here's Rebecca and Gabe to tell you all about it. So we've got four rhythms, really, when you break it down, that we believe is a part of our sustained emotional, spiritual, relational, and physical health. And so coming off of my own season of just struggling with anxiety and depression about eight or nine years ago, while I started to walk into a healing journey, I knew that I was going to need to have some intention in my life because part of it is to keep these things when they creep back in at bay. Right, Gabe? Like you have encouraged me in that along the way of just being proactive about these steps and these practices. Yeah. And anxiety 
as we know, it's just running rampant in our world today. I mean, so many people, the data is pretty overwhelming. How many people are suffering from some sense of a crippling anxiety? And as we look at the younger generations, it's becoming a, a huge challenge. And so people are on medication for it. People are trying to have counseling. People are really trying to find any ways to just relieve that. And right. so sometimes that conversation is very private. It's not something that's out in the open. And Rebecca, that's why I've been so proud of you and proud to be your husband, because you, you pretty boldly several years ago just came out and said, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to be really honest about the pain and struggle of going through panic attacks and anxiety and, and all that was happening in your own life many years ago when we moved to New York City from kind of the suburbs of Atlanta. And all of that just started to happen for you. And you didn't quite know what you were going through and nobody was talking about it. And then you started talking about it. And it's just created an amazing conversation that I think opens so many doors for people to now feel like, I can start talking about it. This is okay to process this. Yeah. In the last decade, it was, it was more of probably a silent thing people would struggle with. Their friends and you know family might know, but it wasn't a national conversation. It certainly wasn't a public thing, especially in the church where we're people of faith. And I think even in that culture, it was a little bit just a hush-hush thing, like, like you need to just get your act together. And now it really is public because so many people face it. And there's all these varying levels, right? You can just have stress, you know, the low home of stress because you have too many things on your plate. But over time, that stress, if it's never relieved and it's not in rhythm with rest and restoration and just this stillness, then that'll ramp. That'll ramp into anxiety. That'll ramp into like your chest tightening or you just feel like you can't get a deep breath and then acting out to the people that you love. And Often it's glaring when the people that you love feel that from you because you want to, you feel shame. You feel shame for overreacting to things or carrying this chronic stress level, but you're not sure what to do with it. And I know for many people listening, maybe you've never had a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack. So I've, I've walked through this and I've seen what happens to Rebecca, what happens in her mind and her breath and the way that she feels like she's dying. I mean, it's, it's a really scary thing to walk through, but we all feel stress. So sure. whether you've ever had a panic attack or not, or would acknowledge feelings of anxiety or don't even know what we're talking about. If you ever feel stress in your life, or you feel like you're kind of coming underneath like a lot of intense burden and you're not sure what to do next. Like, I think this conversation is going to be freeing for you. We're not here with this podcast to just like promise all these things are going to just be gone. But what we are going to do is walk alongside you and encourage you because we all believe that we are better together and that our pain can become our purpose. And when we uh, reach out to someone and we share maybe the things that we're struggling with, we invite them in and all of a sudden we're not as alone. And I do think that's one thing that leads to like, we're finding in um, studies that we're reading about is the isolation and loneliness in the next generation and teens and college students, even in our age, you know, right. We have kids in, that are teens, but that um, because of technology, because our world can be isolated to a screen, all of a sudden we're losing eye contact with people. We're not like having embrace. We're not hugging. We're not just hanging out, like getting that, that communion with each other that we were made for. And so part of these rhythms of connect, that's one like that, that we really want to talk about throughout this whole season. Yeah. I mean, I think we all would acknowledge, you know, if you look back to when you were a child, like some things came easier than, than they do now. And part of that can be personal connection, can be you know, knowing how to turn off. I mean, you know, in those of you in careers, you know, it used to be a pretty clear, established, 
Like you work from maybe eight till five or six at night and then everything turned off. Well, well, that was 20 years ago. Now it never stops. There's always work to do. There's always a way to be connected. There's always something to read. There's always a way to be entertained. And so we can get into this consumption mentality. And now the science is catching up. The research is catching up to say, wait, something's changing with our brains. Something's being altered that might not be good for us and may not be good for our children. And so we're having to take a new look at that. And so that's part of what we're going to explore as we interview neuroscientists, psychologists. We're going to talk to athletes. We're going to talk to chefs. We're going to talk to musicians, people in the arts, people who are entrepreneurs, people living normal life in all kinds of circumstances and situations, but they're trying to fight back with rhythms. They're trying to fight back by establishing a way in which they're going to live their lives that help them remain grounded, remain human, remember who they are so that they can bring something awesome to the world. Right. So the point here is that when you have these four rhythms in your everyday life, like they, they can be small, small expressions. They can be big expressions because rhythms work daily, but also weekly and monthly and annually. So you'll have a rhythm of seasons each year, but you'll also have a rhythm of days each week. And so you can break these approaches down um, as long as every day you you rest, hopefully, like you, you get good night's sleep. You eat something that your body actually needs for fuel. You talk to a friend, you like not just text, but you actually look at somebody in the eyes and say, how are you? Um, And then finally, you just do something that with your hands, like whether you're cooking dinner or you're, you know, just playing ball outside, just something that you're just, it's physical, it's active, it's creative. If you get that in your life every day and you don't neglect one for a long season, but you kind of just try these small, simple ways of practically living this out, you'll start to see a fullness and a wholeness of a flourishing life. Because I have found in my past that I might be killing at create, but I'm not connecting with you or the kids. And then over time, there's a deficit there that I'm, that's costly. Or maybe I'm really working out well, but I'm not really spending time with God. (laughs) I just run straight to the gym, but I don't have that morning routine where I'm still and I listen. And so this is, the idea is the fullness. God's saying, I want you, if you're a new creation, um, in that wholeness, he wants to see us whole, like love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this is a way of doing that. Yeah, for and, flourishing. And you know what? I think this podcast and, and some of what we're talking about could be a little overwhelming for people who are who are like, wait, I've got more to-dos. I have more tasks I need to complete. That is not what we're saying. We've learned this over time. It takes intentionality, but that's the point of a rhythm. It's slow sometimes. It could be fast, but it, it happens on repeat. It starts to become just a part of your life. It's not something that you have to stop everything you're doing and start this. It's it's something you start to integrate and it becomes just a part of your life. I think this podcast in particular probably fits into that restore category where you're mentally through our interviews, through these conversations, this isn't meant to be a, another to do. It's meant to be a, an input to your life, into your mind, into your heart to inspire you to start to reimagine what your life might look like when you start to live intentionally into these rhythms. Instead of adding more things to your plate, I look at this like an undoing, like you're basically unlayering all the weight that you've picked up and the stress that you've been carrying that you weren't made to carry. Yeah. And realize you're not alone, that we're all walking through it together and rhythms of renewal. This is Rebecca's new book. You can pre-order it now. I want you to all take a moment, go to RebeccaLyons.com where you can 
not only do this, but you can take a quiz that will help you see which of these four rhythms are you pretty good at. You're, you're doing great in that category. And then consider in the other three rhythms, what is it that you could do to just start to integrate one thing this week? Just right. take one step forward. But you can pre-order her book. It actually releases October 1st. And when you pre-order, you're going to get a, a free guide called Taking Inventory of Your Life that actually helps you do some of what we just talked about in this podcast episode of walking through where are you needing to add some of this in. You're going to get five chapters from the audiobook where Rebecca's reading actually from each of these rhythms, one of her favorite chapters. There's several things, 20% and, off at Able, which is an yeah, awesome fashion, fashion brand. brand for women. Yeah. So anyway, lots of fun stuff there. Go to RebeccaLyons.com and then invite friends to listen in and go on this journey with us. Let's go through the season together. Let's learn together. Let's listen to some of the neuroscience, the psychology, the practical people who are trying to live this out daily. And let's learn best practices as we try to live this out together. Yeah. I'm so excited for the interviews that we've already done and the ones that are to come that you guys get to hear. It's going to inspire you as it, I pray that it does because it's inspired me so much already. I've listened to several of them two and three times and we can't wait to roll this out for you guys this season. So invite your friends to join us wherever you listen to podcasts or go to RebeccaLines.com slash podcast to see more about the book, the bonuses and the conversations that we're having in the days ahead. And you can follow us on all social media platforms at Rebecca Lyons. She's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, as well as at Gabe Lyons on those same platforms. And we'll keep the conversations going. That again is the new podcast called Rhythms for Life, exclusive on the Q Media platform at qideas.org. To register for Q Media, visit qideas.org. You can register for a private account or set up group accounts for your team or congregation. Let's get to this week's featured talk on Q Ideas. And Gabe, it's a look at a group that's been called Generation Z. Now, some of you wonder, now who's Gen Z? I hear so many different names for the next generation. And this talk is meant to educate you, to help you just get perspective on the new generation coming behind the millennials. There's so much talk about the millennials and their attitudes and how they think and how they're responding to faith. And now it's time to pay attention to the next generation, that generation that's currently in college. It's those who are teenagers and, and younger. And how are they thinking about the world? And, and at this point, we have some data. It's, it's impossible to know how it all turns out, but you can start to see the trends. You can start to see what they're interested in and what they're not, how they're responding, what their motivations might be, how they think about family, how they think about faith. There's no one better to talk about this than Mark Matlock, who leads an organization called Wisdom Works. But he's also the co-author of a forthcoming book by him and David Kinneman called Faith for Exiles. And they've done one of the largest studies to help understand how Gen Z is thinking about faith, technology, their future, how they view authority, and so many other aspects of this generation that's so unique. And you're going to find in this nine-minute talk, you're going to get a lot of nuggets of wisdom about how to think well. If you're a parent of kids who are teenagers, maybe a little younger, maybe they're just going off to college, this is for you. Share this with other friends. Share this with other parents that sometimes you're commiserating with because you're trying to orient yourself well to how to best help your child flourish. So let's listen in now. Good afternoon, Q. We're going to talk generations. So I'm just curious, where are my millennials in the room? Born between 1980 and 1998? Let me hear you, millennials. Let me hear you. As a Gen Xer, I just want to say thank you. It was so wonderful when you guys came on the scene. It got all those older generations off our back and focused on you. So thank you. 
Well, I'm here to say move over, millennials, because there's a new kid in town. Generation Z is coming of age at the time when they can take the heat off of you as you come to power. It's time for you millennials to move to the adult table. All right? So I'm inviting you there. So I've spoken about, oh, a million or so uh, teenagers over the last 27 years of my life face-to-face. And one of the things that uh, we found about Generation Z is some, some really interesting aspirations and qualities that make them who they are. I want to share with you with those a little bit today and how we can best help them and disciple them in their lives. So not only is Generation Z the new kid in town, but the town is changing too. This new town is something that David Kinnaman and I like to call digital Babylon. Many Christians in America are kind of losing the comfort of what they once considered to be the new Jerusalem. And this generation is growing and forging their identity in these incredible times of change. Now, those of us who work with teenagers, we talk about the work of adolescence, and we talk about the fact that there are basically these direction-setting questions that teenagers are asking themselves during these formative years of their life. They ask questions of identity, who am I? Questions of autonomy, what decisions are mine to make? Questions of belonging, uh, where do I fit in best? And questions of epistemology, what is my trusted source of truth? Now, if you were to walk up to a teenager and ask them, hey, what are you up to? They're probably not going to say, well, I'm just working out the answers to my epistemological questions. But that's exactly what they're doing every day. They're trying to find answers to these really big questions about life and who they are. And it's because they're asking these questions that generational research can be so incredibly powerful in helping us understand a generation and also how to help disciple them. So I'm going to rapidly go through some of the big trends that we saw in Generation Z in our research at Barna, and then I'm going to try and show you how we can maybe leverage those to help them as we're discipling them in this generation. So the first big trend that we saw was that Generation Z is diverse is diverse. In 2016, for the first time in the U.S. history, the kindergarten class had more minority members than Caucasian members. That's an unprecedented shift in demographics. And it showed up in our research as well. Generation Z actually tells us that they expect and anticipate to encounter people that are very different from them on a daily basis. Now think about what that means for a generation that's going through this type of change and shifting culture when they're asking questions questions about their identity, about their autonomy, about their belonging, about their epistemology. It's profound. The second trend line that we saw is that Generation Z sees gender much more fluidly than other generations. 12% of Generation Z told us that they identified as being something other than heterosexual. Now, when you consider that in every research project that uh, that we've done at Barna, that number has never risen above 3% with any other generation. That shows a distinctive shift in how a generation is thinking about their sexuality. Now, if you're an older, uh, from an older generation, you probably never really thought much about your uh, identity in relationship to your sexuality much unless you were a sexual minority. But for this generation, it's very different. In fact, a third of this generation tells us that they think that our gender is really based on how we feel and not having anything to do with how we were born or our anatomy. I remember when my daughter came out to my wife and I as a heterosexual. She walked into the room and she announced, Mom and Dad, 
I am not a lesbian. I just thought you should know that. I thanked her for sharing that important information with us. And as she walked out the room, I leaned over to my wife and I said, should we have a follow-up conversation with her about this? And what I realized was my daughter, who's on the very front edge of Generation Z, she has a new checkbox to check off when she's checking out her identity because there's a new narrative going on for her generation about these issues. And so these direction-setting questions are very important in light of these trend lines. The third trend that we see is that Generation Z is post-Christian. This is the first generation in the U.S. that is answering these identity direction-setting questions at a time when there is a significant chunk of the U.S. population that does not identify with any faith or religious tradition. That's huge when asking those direction-setting questions. The third trend line that we see with Generation Z is that Generation Z is career-oriented. They are children of the recession, and they tell us that their sense of self-worth and self-being and calmness is more grounded in their professional achievement than in their family or religion. They're the first generation that we've ever researched at Barna that has said that very thing, meaning that this is a distinctive of this generation. Remember that because we're going to come back to that in a moment. So David Kinn and I wanted to try and figure out how can we help this generation find and follow Jesus in digital Babylon? So we surveyed people who had identified as a Christian at some point in time in their life, ages 18 through 29, and four distinct groups emerged. The first are what we call the prodigals. The prodigals are people who said, at one time in my life, I identified as a Christian, but I no longer do. They make up about 22% of the population. Then we have nomads. Those are people who say, I consider myself a Christian and identify with that, but I'm not working my faith out in a church or a faith community. I'm going in on my own to lesser or better degrees of success. We're actually very concerned about this particular group. The next are what we call the habituals. The habituals attend church regularly, but when we ask them other questions, we find that faith is not central to their life and doesn't really inform the choices that they make. Then we have our exemplar group, which we call resilient disciples. They make up a mere 10% of the population that we were researching. These resilient disciples uh, attend church frequently, but they also are involved in church outside of Sunday experiences. And so they are integrating uh, their faith with their everyday life choices and decisions. So basically, we, we, we looked at these and, and we did a deeper dive on these resilience. And what we found were five really unique distinctives among them. I'm only going to talk about one today as I wrap this up, and that is vocational discipleship. Vocational discipleship is talking about the integration of our faith and our work arena. It's about our calling, and it's about right-sizing our ambitions to God's purposes on this earth. Vocational discipleship is one of the distinctives of resilient disciples. And I want to show you a graph here. And if you look at this graph, I, I can't go into great detail about it, but I just want you to look at that top line there, okay? You see that when it comes to how they answer and respond to these survey questions compared to the other three groups, they stand out. But let me zoom in on just one point for a moment, and that has to do with their church experience, 
okay? When we ask them to tell us where, whether or not their, what their experience was with vocational discipleship at church, 72% of uh, resilience told us that their church did a great job of helping them integrate their faith and workplace, compared to only 41% of those habituals. So knowing that Generation Z is career-oriented, We all know that our career does not make us who we are, but that our work can be an expression of how we glorify God. Vocational discipleship could be an an incredible avenue and opportunity for parents in the church to help attract and also disciple this generation. Vocational discipleship could be a powerful way that we help Generation Z find and follow Jesus in digital Babylon. This generation is living in exile. And like the exiles before them, Daniel and Esther and others, exiles are instrumental to God's purposes in times of change. Let's be generations that help them do that. Let's help Generation Z be all that God has called them to be. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that talk. I hope it was informational, educational. I know it probably leaves you with still more and more questions. One of the great things that Mark and David have done for their next book called Faith for Exiles is really spell out what does it look like for faith to go forward in a new and younger generation with all of the dynamics around us today, whether it be technology, the cultural pressures, the different worldviews that have seeped into the conscience of most Americans. How do we think well about it? How do we move forward? How do we lead well in our churches and in our families? What an incredible resource. So I'd encourage you to get Faith for Exiles. Go to Amazon.com and order that. But I would also encourage you to go to qideas.org. And if you haven't subscribed already to Q Media, subscribe to Q Media. That's where you can watch this talk with others. You can sit around the living room with your kids and watch this talk. You can ask a few key questions. Get them thinking about it. Get them to respond and react. Are we thinking well about how they actually think? Let's find ways to come together and have more learning and conversation in community. And you can do that through Q Media. Individual subscriptions, only $7.99 a month. It's been amazing to see how many people are jumping on and starting to leverage this platform. We have churches using it amongst their teams. Their youth groups are using it. Youth pastors who are playing these talks for their students in their youth group and creating incredible conversations with them. Parents who are pulling their children together in an evening and watching a 10-minute episode of the Beatitudes series that helps them understand what is a modern-day look at the Beatitudes look like. There's so many great pieces of content here. It's not just Q Talks. It's more podcasts, series. It's content from other sources. It's documentaries and things that are going to inspire you as a Christian to know how to live on purpose in this moment and how to engage culture well, being both faithful and credible in our cultural moment. So go to qideas.org to learn more. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.